Well, I am Grant Stewart. I'm one of the elders here at Faith, and it's great to be together, together this post-Christmas morning. Not just post-Christmas this year, but post-the Christmas. Amen? Life changed for the entire world at that moment. So pray with me as we get started here. Lord, our heaven and Father, please bless our time together. You are the reason for Christmas. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from you this morning. Please provide the uh, words you would have me speak, and just bless our time together, Lord. Amen. So before I get to the passage today, which speaks of the wise men coming to worship after Jesus' birth, or after Jesus' birth celebration this year, uh, and they did so with great joy, I want to share a little bit of my own recent journey. It's not like the wise men, but a different journey. Um, but to begin, I'd like to show a short video clip, which you may have seen about six months ago. Uh, this video involves a girl in Texas coming across an animal in distress in her backyard. This girl, coached and encouraged by the woman filming, presumably her mother, proceeds to do her best to help the poor critter. Let's watch the video. Don't touch him. I need gloves. Don't touch him. I have to help him. Give me something to get out Get a board. Him. Yeah, put the chair. The sound is coming, but the video isn't. Oh, it is. I'm saving you. 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 Let me save you. <laughs> Didn't exactly turn out the way she had planned it, did it? <sighs> you could say that things got a little squirrely. <laughs> she was so focused, even adamant, about getting that squirrel to safety. I'm saving you. Let me save you. Didn't turn out well for her, uh, despite her efforts. She was so focused. Have you ever been so focused and committed that even though it might have been a good thing you were focused on, it had some major, either direct or indirect, consequences that weren't so good? Yeah. Uh, these could be uh, things like going all out to meet a work deadline. It could be finishing a school project. It could be doing fun stuff like perfecting a golf swing or working on your marksmanship, doing another hobby, or practicing for an upcoming recital or a big game. The tricky part isn't our passion or desire to do well or be a team player, but the issues can arise when we are so devoted to that thing that the rest of life gets crowded out. This thing can be too much of a priority and can take us away from other areas of life, important areas. Now, I feel honored and humbled, but often also inadequate and overwhelmed to be called to elder here at Faith. It is a tremendous responsibility that I often falter at. I thank you for your prayers and support and the extreme grace extended to me as I attempt to follow God's lead. I love my brothers 
whom I serve with, and I love this church family that I get to be a part of. These are good things. Rather, they're great things. However, recently, my life got a little squirrely. You see, eldering here at Faith is a major commitment, and that has involved a lot of time and focus, especially this past year and a half, as we've found ourselves in particularly difficult circumstances. Not to discourage any men that the Lord is working on to consider serving in this way, but I was curious to tabulate just what this commitment might add up to in terms of time. So just, I looked at this past week, actually just the first two and a half days of the week, just Monday through about 11 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. This is what I came up with. During this two and a half days, the elders exchanged over 175 emails and texts and were together in over seven hours of meetings, all focused on good ministry and relationship priorities. These are important, but they were difficult to set aside or turn off within our heads, always happening in the background. Quite frankly, I was not very good at this in my ability to be present where I needed to be was severely affected. I had a squirrel moment on Friday a couple of weeks ago where instead of working on today's message, the Lord lovingly revealed to me that changes were needed and needed right away. I was frankly spent. I was stressed and overwhelmed with ever-present ministry thoughts, communications, conversations, overshadowing. I'm ashamed to say this my marriage, my family, and even work priorities. Even my ability to generally focus on almost anything at that moment in time was shot. I was really at a breaking point. It was exactly at this point that I was supposed to be preparing a sermon titled Exceedingly Great Joy. (laughs) I kind of felt like this. Can we show the picture? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I was thinking, you're kidding, right, God? It's situations like this that I think it's pretty obvious that not only is God the ultimate creator, but he put extra focus on humor. (laughs) It is funny looking back now because God didn't leave me stuck there. It's pretty remarkable. He didn't let me attempt to deliver a message on joy of all things with a fake everything-is-fine feel. Sort of like when you ask your wife what is bothering her, and she says, nothing, everything is fine. (laughs) And you know it really isn't. (laughs) God wasn't going to leave me wondering and pretending all was fine. He was going to work on and in me first. Instead of leaving me where I was spiritually and physically, God provided the time, place, and most importantly, the people that I needed to lovingly help me work through where I was and help me readjust priorities. God even created an opportunity and unexpectedly uh, allowed me to spend some time with my family spreading Christmas cheer, just the kind of reset that I needed to start to think through the changes that needed to be made. That happened that very afternoon. It's amazing. Just a short couple of hours, God took me from here and said, reset and start by priorities. What's important in life? So even the next morning, God provided a time with my wife, Lisa, 
to affirm what the Lord was showing me and to partner together with her in a course correction. Incredibly valuable. And God speaks through wives all the time. (laughs) And colleagues and brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes even elders. (laughs) We have begun to implement some intentional boundaries and safeguards to help me limit the mental capacity that I give to this important ministry. And we will continue the conversation to make other adjustments as needed. For example, I discussed with the elder team my plan that I will not be replying to ministry calls, emails, or texts from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. This is the time that's been reclaimed for my family. I see a lot of nods affirming that this is something that should have been done before. (laughs) Appreciate that. And now, actually, the entire elder team is creating the framework to establish similar communication guidelines, including trying to alleviate the volume of urgent elder communications needed on the weekends. We need that reset. We need that that time um, to keep our priorities straight as well. It seems like a given that this would have already been the case, but it's amazing how what I'm calling ministry creep (laughs) had occurred. For us, especially over the past year and a half, um, my experience is sort of a wake-up call to the entire elder team, and God's calling us to set up similar boundaries. And so I appreciate you supporting that. And if we don't get back with you right away, if it has to take an extra day or take over the weekend or those types of things, thank you for, for understanding that. It may not seem like a big deal to, to a lot of you, but in the last couple of weeks since that, that moment uh, where God used my wife uh, and others to, to get me back on path here, that uh, there's already been a noticeable difference available with me being present for my family. I can honestly say that I have more energy and a renewed spirit of joy, genuine joy, that comes from the Lord, not just the fake smile, things are fine kind of joy. It is such a blessing that the Lord sees us through this, things like this, and things that are far worse, uh, tragedies and and other incredible life stresses, and there's all sorts of them that's been going on this year, not just in our church, in our community, but across the globe. And he doesn't let us stuck there, let us be stuck there forever. He provides a way out, a way to grab his hand and, and follow his lead. Now, with this new joyful frame of mind, let's read today's passage. It's going to be Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Please open your Bibles and I will read that. This is talking about um, the wise men coming to uh, Jesus after his birth. I'm reading from the NIV version this morning. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, the wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw this star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, 
for this is what the prophet has written. But to you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So that was just a little overview of what we're going to be looking at today. I'll give you a little background on the King Herod we see in today's text. There are many King Herods in this time period. This one is the first known as Herod the Great. Great because of his power, wealth, and influence. Not great for being so good or righteous. Herod's reign was known for extravagant splendor and built many buildings, including fortresses and monuments, but also pagan altars, um, altars excuse me, and even rebuilding the temple in, in Jerusalem. However, Herod was a non-Jewish king who was also known as being a ruthless ruler. To give you some perspective, he murdered his wife. He murdered his three sons, also his mother-in-law and his uncle and many others. I imagine that for Herod, eventually, holiday get-togethers had about as many family members present as COVID guidelines now call for. <laughs> Herod had to be quite the intimidating presence. Now let's talk about the Magi, or wise men as we know them. In reality, these men do not exactly fit the image that comes to mind in, in modern Christmas lore. Listen to how David Mathis, a pastor and author, describes them. To call them three kings is overstated. Wise men is positive spin. These guys are more like sorcerers. They are stargazers watching for who knows what in the skies rather than looking into the scriptures. And God in his grace comes to them through this, their very channel of their sin. Even here at Jesus' birth, he is making wizards into worshipers worldwide. God called these astrologers to him through the Christmas star. God got a hold of these sorcerers to such an extent that they went to Herod the Great in order to find and worship this baby boy, the King of the Jews, the Christ prophesied about for all of history. Think about this. The mystics approached a ruthless Jealous, murderer's king to get directions to the real king. Can you imagine how that went? Thanks for seeing us, your highness. But can you point us to the real king of all? <laughs> how would you think Herod would respond? The Bible says that Herod was disturbed in all of Jerusalem with him. Think of how threatened Herod felt when the chief priests and teachers of the law confirmed, yep, according to prophecy, 
This is how it's supposed to happen. The Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. Herod schemed to send the wise men to find where Jesus was so he could have him killed. Thankfully, as we read, God created the, or directed the wise men to return home a different way and not tell Herod where Jesus was. It is fascinating to see how God uses these recently converted followers to recognize the Messiah and worship him unashamedly. What an awesome example of how God uses all types of people for his purposes and use these magi to model extreme worship of Jesus. We've been talking about Luke 2, Luke 2.10 2, recently, talking about good news of great joy and how big of a statement that is, how cool that is. Good news of great joy. Well, the author, <laughs> Matthew, one-upped him. <laughs> um, as we read earlier, the NIV translation said, when they, the wise men, saw the star, they were overjoyed. And when they saw the child Jesus, they bowed down and worshipped him. That sounds pretty special, but I think it falls a little short. Let's see how my preferred translation, the NASB, describes the scene. Can we put that verse up there? Yep. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's piling on superlatives. That's saying, this is bigger than just good news of great joy. This is, this is a big deal. And when they saw Jesus, they fell down and worshipped him. Picture these renowned, wealthy astrologer mystics of the day falling down prostrate, worshipping with their entire being, everything they possibly could, this fulfillment of prophecy. They knew who he was. They were showing their true adoration for Jesus. Knowing that he is the Savior, the bridge between God and man. All mankind, regardless of their lineage, their standing, wealth, or adherence to Mosaic law, very important things of the time. Put yourself in that moment, the actual God of the universe, in the form of a precious human baby. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Talk about justifying exceedingly great joy. Makes you want to bow down and worship God. We need to focus on this joyful scene and more emphatically what was made possible because of Jesus. Eternal life with our Creator. This perspective will be especially helpful when we have our own squirrel moments whether it be the priorities out of order like happened with me recently or life's catastrophes as many of us have experienced in this past year. The joy that Jesus brought then at his birth is available to us now and always and is far superior to anything this world can bring to bear. I love the, the concept of an eternal perspective. This is our training ground. God's testing us. He's letting us stumble, but he's always got his hand there to pick us up. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for not letting us remain stuck. Thank you for always having your hand out to us, beckoning us to walk with you the path that you have for us. 
Thank you for the true joy of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the people and circumstances you have put in our lives to help us find your direction and your peace. Like the wise men in our passage today, Lord, help us to find exceedingly great joy in you and the truth of salvation given us through the life, death, and resurrection of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.